49ers cutback podcast time welcome to the show everyone i'm excited about this one it was an interesting day out at training camp there was lots going on uh and i'm welcome everyone in chat even marketing pro uh hope you're having a good day i heard your offensive line is absolutely fantastic down there in los angeles uh so enjoy that and what's up mosquito killer uh and and 49 chanel i hope you guys are having a really good day yeah nothing happened at practice brad jones absolutely nothing actually a lot of things happened because brandon Ayuk decided he had had enough of what was going on with fred warner and he was going to let them know about it it finally came to a boiling point between the offense and the defense the defense has been locking the offense down and it just wasn't working for brandon Ayuk anymore so it starts out with brandon Ayuk making a a wonderful play uh catching the ball and, and getting it going and then after that, then you had a little bit of an issue with him having some words. He was he was getting a little bit accept, you know, a little bit excited uh, and things like that. And then next thing you know, Brandon Ayuk is squaring up with Fred Warner. They had a little bit of a conversation, a little bit of a uh, a scuffle, and then eventually it got even more exciting because it came out to a full fledged ball uh, brawl. The second time that it happened, what you had was you had a receiver running a route over the or to the side. Uh, across the field and Fred Warner got in front of him and as the ball was going there he absolutely crushed him it was it was a big hit it was a little high and the offense just had enough so it, it was one of those things where these guys got into it a little bit Kyle Shanahan pulled the team together they had a conversation and then after that everything was pretty much cleared up after that you could tell there was still a little bit of aggressiveness coming from you know players on each side uh, but it was definitely uh, really really good so uh, let, let's get through some of, I'll get into some of the questions as well as it's coming through and I'll say what's up to everyone. How is it going? What's up? Uh, Freddie Mac Dre, I hope you're having a good day. What's up, Ronnie? What's up, Brad? What's up, Paul? And what's up, 49ers Faithful Forever? I hope you guys are all having a good day. And I had a good day out at training camp. I got through over two hours of traffic to be able to make it there. Got there just as warmups were ending and got right into it. And it was an exciting time because they practiced Oh, 11 on 11s right in front of us. So it was definitely exciting. Uh, and I love it when they get after it. Ronnie Montoya says, love the fight in the dogs. LO just save some of the heat for the season. Yeah, this usually happens, right? I mean, this is something that happens in training camp. Both sides are getting really into it. Now we know Fred Warner from his own mouth said he has been picking on Brendan Ayuk. He's been going after him. He picked him out. And the reason that he picked him out was so that way he could go ahead and push him because he believes Brandon Ayuk is ready for that next step and they take that next leap, you know, in his development. And so Fred's been going after him. So it's only fitting that it's Fred Warner that gets into it with Brandon Ayuk, but Ayuk didn't back down. Of course, Fred Warner didn't back down. And the ones who really didn't back down were Aziz Alshire and Dre Greenlaw because they were right there to have their guys back. Uh, and then, of course, Robert Kandiche had to be absolutely pulled off by Daryl Tapp when they were all in the pile. He was not giving up either. That is a spirited individual as well. 
this defense is fantastic. And what's up, Lou? Hope you're having a good day. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that are going on in 49ers land. And I seen uh I seen something here earlier that I wanted to get into because I saw something about Kadar Holloman. Uh, was he getting first round or first uh, team snaps? It was from 49ers Facebook. Was Holloman getting first team reps? He was. There was a lot of movement amongst the secondary. There's a lot of movement amongst the offensive line, defensive line. Uh, they were moving guys around and giving reps against different players to get different looks. So, yeah, Holloman was out there and actually held up pretty good. Um, Holloman, of course, hasn't impressed me at all through training camp. Today was the first day I saw him play pretty well. A lot of that goes into that when he's playing behind that first team defensive line, there's less opportunities for him to get burned. Uh, and so now he can go out there and get it. So uh, Freddie McDray says, you seemed amped. I, I was excited about it. It was a good day. So I'm I'm having some fun right now. Uh, so it's it's always exciting. But the the secondary is interesting. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say it like this because I've heard a lot of people talk about how the 49ers are a meritocracy, that the best players will play. If that is the case, Ombre Thomas is in some real trouble. Because Ombre Thomas once again had some struggles in coverage. I mean, Ombre Thomas is out there competing. I'll never say that he's not. He's battling. But right now, Diameter Lenore is outplaying Ombre Thomas. And there's a lot of guys that are ahead of Ombre Thomas right now. They started playing Samuel Womack some on the outside. He looked good out there. Quantrez Knight looked pretty good in the nickel when he played there. I'm worried about Ombre Thomas because... Uh, I don't know how many people caught the video. I was a little late. I didn't get to see Jason Vrett working on the field before practice. But Brad Graham from the SF Niners caught it and posted it on social media. And it doesn't look like Jason Vrett is that far off from coming back. He's not that far off from coming back. That changes some things. Uh, so I, I think this secondary is going to be something to watch over the next several weeks. Because right now, Diomero Lenore should be ahead of Ombre Thomas. And Ombre Thomas got absolutely smoked by Danny Gray on a on a big long touchdown today. Of course, a lot of players are going to get smoked by Danny Gray because his speed is no joke. Danny Gray made two great plays down the field today on pass from Nate Sudfeld. Uh, Danny Gray had probably his most impactful day that I've seen so far. Uh, so I've been excited about that. Mosquito Killer says, heard line block pretty well today. They did. They really did. The offense struck back. The offense played a, probably their best practice so far. Uh, gave Trey Lance extra time. Gave Nate Sudfeld time. Of course, there are their moments still where this defensive line is just too good. Uh, I felt bad for some of the quarterbacks sometimes because there was one point where you had Kamoko Ture and Drake Jackson going against uh, you know, a couple of backups, uh, against a Schluter, uh, against the Possum Man, Alfredo Gutierrez. And that's just that's tough sledding. And those guys were getting in there and wreaking havoc. It was really tough on those guys, and that makes it a little bit difficult you know, for those quarterbacks to be able to get the ball down the field. Ronnie Montoya says, how's Ray Ray doing? Did not see Ray Ray McLeod on the field today. There were some, some people that were missing. Ray Ray was one of them. We know Jeff Wilson Jr. returned to practice, did not participate in the 11-on-11 session, so he was still nursing something. And then, of course, we had uh, Charvarius Ward, who was on the sidelines for most of practice. He was engaged. He was talking, but he wasn't out there. And that could also be a reason why the offense looked a little bit better because Charverius Ward wasn't out there for 11-on-11s. When he has been, he's been tough to deal with. 
Brad Jones says, isn't it the same time last year Thomas struggled early? La he did struggle early last year, and I've been waiting on him to kind of get better. Um, but how long are you going to wait? Because last year the 49ers didn't have depth at the sec at the corner position. So, I mean, him and Diomar Lenore were shoe-ins to make the roster. They were developmental guys that you knew you had to have on the team. This year, do you really have that opportunity? Because right now, if you were going over who was playing the best at the cornerback position, of course, you have Charverius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, one and two. Then you would have Diomar Lenore, three. Um, maybe Darquez Denard three. He's he right now he's the best in the in the slot playing the nickel. Uh so that's four guys. And then it would be Dante Johnson. Uh, I think he right now he's playing better than Ombre Thomas. So uh, it's one of those things where Ombre does need to step up. We'll see. He's got time. He's definitely got time. He wouldn't be a part of the first cuts. So that's not something that would happen. He would be one of the last ones cut. And I have him as a lock on our, I mean, when I'm going through you know, who's locks to make this team? I've always had Ombre Thomas as a lock. I just felt that he, after what we had seen last year, he could do it. But uh, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about his progression, but we'll see. I mean, he's got time, of course. I don't want to push the panic button, but I'm just telling you from what I've seen right now, he's one of the ones that's down the list. Other guys are stepping up and making plays. We're not seeing that consistently from Ombre Thomas. He has moments, uh, but we just haven't seen it consistently, consistency uh, in his play so far. Uh, Paul says competition is good, and Shannon sure seems to use those who win the competition. It is good. You know, get out there, you know, make things happen, make plays. Competition is good. Go out there and compete. That's what you want to see every single day at practice. You want these guys to get in there and really get after it. And that's what we're seeing. And that's why you're seeing the competition, you know, kind of brew and st and stir some of these guys up a little bit. Uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be... It's going to be fun for the next, you know, there's another day of practice tomorrow before they have a break. I'm excited to see what happens, um, you know, after all this, you know, kind of competition between offense and defense. It's definitely starting to uh, increase the level of everyone's, um, you know, want to as far as get it done. So uh, 49ers Faithful Forever says Heard Mason is making waves. Uh, Jordan Mason is running physical. He's he's running hard. That's That's something that we're seeing from Mason. Mason yesterday, I thought, looked fantastic. I was really excited about Mason yesterday. I thought today uh, Mason wasn't the best running back, that actually Trey Sermon was the best running back today. Trey Sermon had a couple of really good runs. There was also a run where he's running to the uh, to, to the left, and everyone is flowing with it, and they over-pursue. He puts his foot in the ground and runs back to the right side. It was a fantastic run for Trey Sermon. He ended up picking picking up 13 to 15 yards. It was a, a, good, a great play. Also in one-on-ones, Trey Sermon outran Aziz Alshire on a on um, on a nice route. It was it was really really good. Uh, I was excited about what I saw from Trey Sermon. So one day it was Jordan Mason making huge plays and making waves. The next day it looked like Trey Sermon and Trey Sermon I think actually earned extra reps because he got some spin with the first team too. So. Uh, these guys are definitely in a competition, and with Jeff Wilson Jr. not getting carries, them limiting Elijah Mitchell at times with carries, it came down to Mason, Trey Sermon, and Jamichael Hasty, and all had moments where they flashed. Jamichael Hasty had another really good run in the middle where he made a couple guys miss, uh, jump cuts to the right, jump cuts to the left. He he he's one of those guys that can is really shifty and exciting to watch. So there's definitely running backs making plays, and this is going to come down to the end. I don't think anything's going to be decided. Right now, I think it's going to take all of training camp to decide 
which one of these running backs they keep and which ones they try to get to the practice squad because I don't think they actually want to move on from anyone. Freddie Mac Dre says, who is the most impressive rookie defensive back? I think the most impressive rookie defensive back from what I've seen has been Quantrez Knight. I like Quantrez Knight a lot. I like his instinctiveness. To me, he's somebody that stood out. But today, Samuel Womack was making plays as well. I thought Womack looked good. Those two guys are impressive. They haven't challenged Tariq Castro Fields very much. Um, so I'd like to see him get challenged a little bit more so I can get a better idea of you know what he's doing and how he's improving. Um, but those three guys are all playing well. All three of those guys have made plays for the 49ers. So we'll see. We'll see which one of those guys end up you know having an opportunity to make this team. I think it's more than likely that uh, Quantrez Knight ends up on the practice squad. So I think it comes down to Womack, Castro Fields. Womack's been playing a lot as a nickel corner. He's the number two nickel right now behind Darquez Denard. And then you've got uh, Tariq Castro Fields, who's been playing with the threes you know, on the outside. So I think right now it would appear that Womack has the best opportunity to make this team. Um, but all their footwork has been getting better. And um, right now, those guys, the instincts of Quantrez Knight definitely stands out. But it feels like Womack's kind of getting gelled and getting a little bit better. Uh, Brad Jones says yes. And the video of Rhett, Rhett will definitely be ready for week one. It does appear so. Uh, it definitely does appear that Rhett's going to be ready. And then your top three corners are really good. Listening to what Kyle Shannon had to say the other day in his press conference, it appears they would go with matchups. They would move guys all over the place. Uh, yesterday in practice, they flipped uh, Charvarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley. This time yesterday, Mosley played on the left side. Ward played on the right side. They're definitely planning on moving these guys around and finding favorable matchups of corner to receiver. I love it. I love when you can do that. Having versatility at all those positions means you can best find the best matchups for your team. That could mean all three of them play inside at times. And all the while I'm saying this, I am very much enjoying what Darquez Denard is doing. I'm excited about him. So uh, I think the Warriors have some really good options at corner. And now we've just named four really good veteran corners if you throw Verrett and Darquez Denard with Mosley and Charverius Ward. And Thomas says, hey, TCC, was Kinlaw back on the field today? Yes, Thomas. Javon Kinlaw was back. Of course, they were working him in nice, uh, but he's making plays. So... Uh, Javon Kinlaw, it's nice to see him back in there. It was nice to see the interior defensive line keeping the linebackers fresh. It felt like every time there was an outside zone play, those linebackers were flying there to make the play. And a lot of that goes to this interior defensive line making plays on the inside. And, you know, Ke Kevin Givens was playing alongside Kinlaw for most of it. it it's a definitely a good group. Uh, Paul says, hey, Ant, does it seem like the O-line is gelling? Yeah, I thought so. I thought there was a, a very much an improvement from yesterday to today. It felt like they were definitely working better together. Um, even when you didn't have Trent Williams in and Mike McGlinchey in, uh, you had you know guys making plays. Um, so that's that's good news. I mean, just with everyone, right? You can't have great reps. You have sometimes as good reps. And and thanks so much, Shooter. Uh, Shooter becoming uh, or re-upping his membership. Thank you so much, Shooter. I really appreciate that. That's awesome. It's always nice to have uh, people as a part of the Cutback Crew and a member of the Cutback Crew. Um, but yeah, the offensive line just continues to get better. Now, the big storyline today was Daniel Brunskill was taking first team reps. It had been Brendel, then Brunskill, Brendel, then Brunskill splitting time with the first team. Today, they led off with Daniel Brunskill. Does that mean he's starting to take the lead at the center position? It could. Uh, Brunskill looks good. Uh, Brendel has been definitely competing with him. We'll see what happens. But this offensive line 
was way better. And that was the thing I was saying uh, yesterday. Uh, there was a lot of conversations. The offensive line looked bad. You know, Spencer Burford wasn't going to be able to hold up. He's not looking good. And I just kept saying, you know what? You just got to let these guys have an opportunity. They look a little bit better than they did yesterday. That's good news. You just want to progress. And that's what they're doing. They're progressing. So you're getting an offensive line that's going to continue to get better. They have been steadfast with Spencer Burford playing right guard. And those reps are going to be invaluable. And right next to him, you know, they, they've been going with a young guy as well. So they, they're continuing to make sure that they have guys uh, all throughout this offensive line that are getting experience. And Jalen Moore at right tackle, he's been getting a lot of run there. Um, I watched some of the one-on-ones today. They did one-on-ones between the defensive line and the offensive line. Um, those are built for defensive linemen to win. But the offensive line held up pretty well. Colton McKivitz held up uh, pretty well at left tackle. He had his moments, of course, where he got beat. But who wouldn't against this defensive line? Well, there were other moments where he beat Kerry Hyder. He beat Drake Jackson. So he rode them by. So there was improvement along the offensive line. And that means, hopefully, the farther we get into training camp, the more chemistry uh, these guys will get. They'll gel together. And then that will really help the run game. And if the run game really starts going, that's when the passing game will get it triggered. So um, Freddie Mac Dre says, what do you expect from the DT group and recent signings? Are we thin? Minor injuries that linger. Um, we're, we're thin at practice right now as far as the guys that you expected to make this roster, but we're not thin with guys um, when we get to the regular season because Eric Armstead will be back. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway will be back. Those two guys, throw them with Kevin Givens, Javon Kinlaw, that's a four-man rotation right there. If you throw in uh, Robert Kandiche as the fifth guy, you've got a lot of ability there. So I'm definitely excited about each one of those guys. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and then I see that I, – I, did I miss a question uh, from 49ers? Did I miss one from Shooter? Um, we'll see uh, if, I, if I missed a question. Uh, let me know if I missed a question from Shooter. If I did, I'll get to it, Shooter. Sorry. Um, Brad uh, – let's see. Yeah, Brad Jones – Says, not sure if you've seen it, but the NFL put out their floor and ceiling video. Each team that they said our floor is eight and nine. If Trey is no good, but any good, they'll have him twelve and five. What do you think? Uh, that I mean, that's not that's not terrible. I mean, that's not terrible, Brad. Um, I did not see that, but um, I would be I'd be okay with that, uh, for sure. I mean, I would be okay. I I don't think we're gonna have a floor like eight and nine because I don't think Trey Lance is gonna be terrible. Um, but him playing well, producing a twelve and five. Yeah, I like that. So I, I think that's that's it. And Brad Jones says, does Trey look like he is improving each day? Yeah, Trey Lance looks more and more comfortable in the pocket all the time. He's locating receivers and getting it out. Um, it's the times that he's not getting rid of the football is because guys are clamped. I mean, they're, he's either getting immense pressure or there's receivers not open. Now, he misses occasionally because of accuracy. He does. Uh, he had an a couple opportunities to you know get balls to Debo Samuel, you know one to Brandon Ayuk, and he threw it behind him. Those things happen. Um, those are pretty consistent with quarterbacks in the NFL in general. Uh, but right now he's making good reads, and there are some big time throws that he makes. But he looks comf more comfortable in the pocket, even when he's moving in the pocket. Uh, the footwork is there. So yeah, I think Trey Lance is getting better and better every day. Just as the rest of the offense is getting better and better, so is so is Trey. Jag says, TCC, evaluation on Spencer Burford. I like Burford, and I think Burford is getting better every day. Is he, a, is he ready to roll as a starting right guard right now? No. But these reps are getting him there. 
he's he was better today than he was yesterday. He was tremendously better today than he was a week ago. So what we're seeing from Spencer Burford is the constant improvement, and that's all you can ask from a young player. But you see there are moments and things that he does um, that you're like, ooh, okay, you can, get, you can get excited about that. His technique is really good. His hand placement's really good. He's athletic. He's able to push to second level. Uh, today they were running a wide receiver screen, and he did a nice swim move on the defensive lineman and got out there to make his block. So there are things to like about Burford. I think Burford has the opportunity to start at right guard if he continues to develop at the pace at which he's developing right now. We'll see what happens when Mike McGlinchey becomes a full participant in all of practice, what they do with Jalen Moore if they end up kicking him inside and having him compete with Spencer Burford, because it appears right now that Daniel Brunskill may be taking the lead on Jake Brendel. And if he is, that means the right guard spot is going to be the one that needs to get figured out. Um, Silverado Key says, I know we've yet to play a regular season snap, but this could be uh, well be the best roster team of the Shanahan Lynch era. Just got to solidify the offensive line. Yes, as far as roster top to bottom in the Kyle Shanahan John Lynch era, I think this is the best 90-man roster that they have put together so far, Silverado. I definitely do believe that. I think that there is some, you know, some question marks. Um, I had question marks coming in about nickel corner, but now I've seen, you know, what Darquez Denar can do, and that has definitely made me feel more comfortable with him in the nickel. And then we have young guys that are starting to impress as well. And then also I was worried about the safety opposite of Jimmy Ward because we're moving on from longtime starter Jaquiski Tart. But Talano Hufanga looks better this year. Talano Hufanga looks comfortable. He's out there. He's he's talking. He's he's telling people where to go. Hufanga is a different player than he was last year, whether that's technique or just overall him, you know, being more verbal, being more aggressive. All those things are true. Hufanga looks comfortable in his position playing next to Jimmy Ward, which makes me comfortable. And he's out there making plays, even in one-on-one -on -one situations. Talano Hufanga has definitely improved from last year and is ready. So if you have the Denard situation taken care of at the nickel corner spot and you have Talano Hufanga, it makes me think that this defense is really good. Now, as far as the offensive line, I think they're going to try to just let this thing gel, let these guys develop. That's what it seems like they're working on. And I'm excited about that opportunity because this offensive line seems to get better and better every single day. Are they where we want them to be? No. Um, are they still getting beat by a tremendous defensive line at times? Yes. Uh, but I'm definitely excited about their opportunities because today was so much better than yesterday. And the offense looks so much better today than it did yesterday. The offense definitely struck back against the defense. They made some plays today. There were some hole shots. Danny Gray made shots down the field. There was big runs by Trey Sermon. There were things happening. Debo Samuel was getting involved in the offense. Brandon Ayuk has consistently gotten a part of the offense. So uh, it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting that the offense, now that they're getting further and further into the install, is starting to be able to run a lot of the plays. And it's like Trent Williams said, they're not game planning to beat their defense. The defense already knows their personnel groupings knows the plays that they run. They know how they install. The defense has all the advantages. So the offense is overcoming uh, that, but they're also going against one of the better defenses in the league, which ends up being huge for the 49ers in the future. Um, and then Ronnie Montoya says, how's Jordan Mason? I, I like Jordan Mason. Yesterday, Jordan Mason had a great day. I came in here and talked about it. I love the fact that Jordan Mason was out there making plays in the passing game. 
He was running hard. I thought he had the best run of the day yesterday. Vision, balance. Uh, expl he looked explosive when he was running. So I was good with Jordan Mason. And then today, it was like, okay, Trey Sermon's like, I saw you, Jordan Mason. I can't let you get away with that. I got to go bring something myself. And Trey Sermon had himself a day. But we're going to have an absolute battle at the running back position because Jordan Mason, Trey Sermon, uh, and Jamichael Hasey are making really good runs today. Jeff Wilson Jr. was not involved, but he needs to get involved because these other three guys are proving to be formidable. And Jordan Mason's absolutely physical runner. Uh, whenever these guys are trying to grab him, he, he just continues to run. And we know all the running backs do that, but you can tell some of these guys would bounce off of him if they were trying to tackle and take him to the ground. Uh, Shooter says, hey, Ant, just, just asking about the chemistry between Trey and the receivers, other than B.A., it's coming along pretty nice. Uh, that was one thing I wondered if Trey would often just look for Brandon Ayuk if he, that was his, his go-to. You would see Jimmy do that sometimes with George Kittle. It was like a, a security blanket, right? Uh, but that's not the case. Trey Lance goes through his progressions and whatever receiver is open, he gets the ball to. So I've seen him have pretty good chemistry with George Kittle. They've connected on some plays. Um, and now he's getting that chemistry with Debo Samuel as well. Him and Debo had a couple of really nice plays today. There was a couple they missed on. So I'm sure they're going to get better and better as they get used to the timing, you know, of, of the throw coming out and Debo's speed. Uh, the, those things you always have to work on. You get used to some of their body language and things like that. So I look for their chemistry to improve. But overall, I thought he's been showing pretty good chemistry with the wide receivers. When he's missing, it's not like he's missing by a lot. Uh, he He's missing them maybe a little bit behind. He's throwing a little bit ahead. There was one time today where he threw one ahead of Debo Samuel, and it appeared that he had just thrown one errant. But I think he was actually trying to lead Debo Samuel away from safety Jimmy Ward, who was coming down on him and coming down on uh, Debo in a big way. I think he was trying to protect him. So sometimes you're throwing the ball in front to protect your receiver as well. Get them away from danger. So the pass looks very errant. Somebody might you know look at it and say, oh, but man, Trey looked really bad on that one. But you have to understand the moment. He's trying to protect his players as well. So we had uh, George Kittle up the seam one play. He threw it low. Kittle went down and got it. Stayed safe. Uh, so throwing throwing the ball to these wide receivers where they're not going to get absolutely smacked by safeties and defensive backs uh, is important as well. And I think Trey's doing a good job of trying to protect uh, his players. Uh, CJ says, just hopped in. Talked about the fight already? Yeah, that was one of the first things we got into, CJ. Uh, the fight was between Brandon Ayuk and Fred Warner. Um, the story behind it, Ayuk makes a play to start 11-on-11s uh, where he gets up the scene, makes a great catch. After it's over, he's letting Jimmy Ward know about it. He's letting everyone know, hey, we're making plays. And then uh, you had some some words between Fred Warner and and uh, Brandon Ayuk. There was a little bit of a, a scuffle. Uh, they got it taken care of pretty quick. The you know All the players got involved and full, kind of pulled people away. But what happened later was we had Johnson come over the middle and we had a, a Fred Warner absolutely take his head off. I mean, he lit him up and really Fred just threw a shoulder, but because he wasn't paying attention, he got him pretty good. And then it turned into a full-fledged uh, squirmish. It was interesting. Uh, they, they got into it. They had to pull some people away. Some people got very aggressive. Kyle Shanahan called everyone in and said, you know what, everyone needs to chill. And then after that, everyone did. Fuller heads prevailed and these team, the, the players got back after it. But this is something you're going to see because the antics of the defense haven't changed. They're getting after this offense. They're they're telling them, hey, we're better than you. you. You guys better step it up. And the offense is tired of hearing it. So I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. I don't have no problems when these guys start to get into it. 
Uh, Forty Hours Faithful Forever says possible see Ward, Hufanga, and more on the field at the same time. Yeah, I think it's it's really possible. In fact, I've seen some sets already where they did three safety looks uh, with those three out there together. So I think that is not only possible but probable because why not use their their skill sets? And Jimmy Ward and and Tarverius Moore have the ability to walk up and cover a tight end or even a slot uh, receiver at, at times and just take them away. Uh, we've seen Jimmy do it on fourth, third and fourth downs before, and that's what Tarverius Moore's ability is as well. Both those guys have been corners in the past in the NFL. They have legit cover skills. Uh, are both of them you know, guys that can do it play in and play out? No. But at certain times, especially if you're maybe going to quicken things up with a blitz, yeah, that would make sense. So those three guys together, uh, sometimes throwing people off, making maybe making more play in the box and come after the quarterback and Hufanga play deep, I think would definitely throw some people off. So I think that is not only possible, but probable. Uh, Jack says, at TCC, compared to last year, what is the main differences in Aaron Banks? Number one, his body is drastically different. Last year, he didn't look like a NFL player. He looked like a guy that was you know coming in, um, a senior in college that was still needing to develop his body. And he just looked like he was a little a step slow laterally. He looked like he was struggling a little, a little bit. Didn't look as comfortable. This year, his body is fantastic. He looks healthy. He looks strong. He looks the part. And then when he gets out there, he plays the part. Uh, he's got heavy hands. He gets people. He stops people. He's able to anchor down against pass rushes. So he's definitely improved his game a lot. This is not Aaron Banks you saw last year. Uh, Aaron Banks last year was scary. This Aaron Banks is scary for a different reason because now he can make plays against the defense. So uh, Banks is definitely one of those guys that's going to be a solid left guard in this league. He's just how fast can he develop and how quick can he get chemistry, whether that's Daniel Brunskill and, or Jake Brendel and Trent Williams. I think him and Trent Williams are going to figure this thing out really quick. They're both intelligent people um, and they're getting used to playing with each other because they're getting the reps together. The question marks, you know, surrounding the center position are a little more difficult. Of course, Daniel Brunskill had probably has a really good relationship with Banks from them working together last year. Um, but maybe Banks is comfortable with Brendel from them having time on the second team. We'll see. We'll see how this thing develops. But the one thing I do know is Aaron Banks is going to start uh, day one. Uh, Bomber teams that I heard Banks got beat up bad today. What in what area did, did he get beat? Was it in the one on ones? Uh, Bomber T, if you'll let me know if it was if they were talking about one on ones, if they were talking in team. Because I thought in one-on-ones, a lot of players got beat. And if you're gonna, if it's gonna go off one-on-ones, they're gonna, you're gonna hear that all throughout training camp. Anytime they do one-on-ones, defensive players are gonna win more than they're gonna lose because the defensive players are built for the one-on-one situations. Nobody else is blocking around you. There's more space for them to be able to get after the quarterback. It's a more controlled environment that's better for defense. If it's in the team 11-on-11 situations, then Banks needs to win those. Do I think Banks um, lost on some of them? Yeah. So I think he played pretty well on some of them and stuffed people. Yeah. So I think that when it comes down to it, you're still talking about a second-year player who's developing who looks really a lot different than last year. But once again, it's about improvement over the next several weeks. How much better can can Aaron Banks get uh, going into the season? He's got uh, plenty of time to get better. So as long as they improve every day, I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, Brad Jones says, have they done much special team in practice in front of you guys? A ton. Um, yeah, they do special teams every single day. They work on every aspect of it, whether it's, you know, punt return, uh, punt block. Uh, they work on those, tackling, you know, taking on blockers, uh, creating the lanes, doing everything they need to do. They've been doing it all. Kickoff, kickoff return. We've seen multiple return guys. 
So, yeah, I mean, they've been doing everything, Brad. Uh, special teams is something they do every single day uh, for multiple sessions. So it, the special teams, you got the same, you know, the guys out there flying around. Uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Wilkins says, similar to Curry on the basketball court, Trey gives the 49ers a spacing advantage. Trey will threaten the defense over the field and will allow them to crowd the box. Yeah, he gives them advantages in a couple of areas. Number one, like you said, vertically. Uh, now you have to worry about Trey Lance throwing the ball down the field, especially with Brandon Ayuk and, and Danny Gray, who can do that. Ray Ray McLeod can do that as well, stretch the field vertically, but also horizontally. Um, he's really good at throwing the ball. So the numbers, one of his best throws of training camp was to Brandon Ayuk uh, just behind Tarverius Ward and just in front of Jimmy Ward. And it was one of the best throws I've seen a quarterback make over the last couple of years. It was fantastic. He's got that aspect, but also he's going to stretch them horizontally in the run game because anytime you line up in a shotgun or you start to look at you know a situation where you can go to a read option they did run some rpo today as well then you're going to freeze edge rushers and linebackers they have to freeze make sure that Trey isn't going to keep the ball and if they hesitate for a second it's going to create bigger run lanes for your running backs that's some of the area we were seeing trey sermon have success today i think that will continue to grow here pretty soon so, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Trey just had to get those p short passes down. Yeah, I mean, that that was one area that he needed to improve for sure, Bomber T. Uh, I think that he's going to get better and better at those things. Um, so I, I think that Trey's just going to continue to get more comfortable. And I think the more he understands this offense, I think he has a good understanding of the offense, but more the reads and how they look against the defense uh, he's going to throw with anticipation. And when he starts to throw with anticipation, he's going to be able to have open windows to get the ball. There was a, a pass today that was absolutely tremendous. It was Jimmy G-esque as far as multiple guys in traffic. Debo Samuel comes across the middle and makes a catch and turns up field. And it's like, whoa, uh, that was not something that Trey Lance did consistently last year when we saw him in games. And we're seeing it now. If you can have moments where Trey Lance is able to operate over the middle of the field the way that, you know, he looked today at certain points, if he's able to do that consistently, whoo, uh, this offense could take off because that means he would be able to hit you outside the numbers, hit you vertically, and take advantage over the middle, which would definitely be nice coming off the play-action game. So, yeah, those things are definitely exciting. Uh yeah, of uh, uh, Bill Robertson. Uh, my dad was there with me again watching training camp. It says, I think the game has slowed down for Ufanga. That's a good point. Now that he is comfortable with where he is, what things look like, things have, have definitely slowed down. And it was awesome. My dad used to coach defensive backs, and he was breaking down defensive backs for two days in a row yesterday, today. And he gave me a lot of tidbits on each of the guys. And we were both showing that concern for Army Thomas but both over the moon about Hufanga because the coverage was the things we were worried about. But now you don't have to worry about that because Hufanga's making a lot of plays. And like, like Phil said, my dad said, things have slowed down for Hufanga. Now he's moving faster because he's moving football fast. Great point right there. Uh, definitely love that one. Uh, Marcus Johnson looks good returning kicks. Yep. Uh, dad was all over that one as well. He's definitely excited about Marcus Johnson, and Marcus Johnson's the one that got his head whacked uh, by Fred Warner. Um, but yeah, he looked every bit of that 4-3 speed. It's been exciting. So uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a good one for sure. Um, 49ers faithful friends, Drake Jackson update. Drake Jackson going against um, Alfredo Gutierrez. 
was just unfair. Craig Jackson not only beat him around the edge, but also beat him with power as well. Craig Jackson's an exciting player who's got a lot of bend in his hips. He's going to continue to get better. He just needs more reps. And you can see Chris Kacarek and Daryl Tapp consistently work on him, being able to get around the corner, working on his hand placement, working on his hand technique. All things that Samson Ebucom had to work on last year, you're seeing Drake Jackson work on. The only difference is Jackson's farther along in development because he didn't go to play linebacker. Ebucom talked all about that yesterday. Uh, that ability to just turn off that, you know, that I have to read things and, and understand what's going on first. No, it's go. It's create havoc and allow the players behind me to clean it up. That's something different that you get in San Francisco. So Drake Jackson is going to be uh, going to be making some plays, I think, this year. What role? I don't know for sure. And what's up, Dame? So welcome to chat. I hope you're going to enjoy yourself. Chat's been going pretty strong today. It's very exciting in there. Um, Jack says, TCC, I know it's really early, but who's the leader for starting center in your estimation? Um, early on, it looked like it was going to be Brendel. Uh, then pretty soon, it went Daniel Brunskill was splitting snaps with Brendel, but Brendel was taking the first snaps of the offense, and then they would switch. Today, Daniel Brunskill took over that role. He took first-team reps with the first-team offense. I think Daniel Brunskill is putting pressure on Brendel now. I won't be surprised now if Daniel Brunskill ends up being the starting center. He's looked good. They feel confident with him. He has experience. Um, so this Jake Brendel thing, uh, we'll see what it looks like tomorrow. Maybe Brendel will be back in the mix and they'll be going after it again. But I think Daniel Brunskill has a real shot to win this. I think Brunskill has looked better in my estimation than Brendel, uh, just slightly better. Uh, but that is definitely something that you know, will continue to monitor those two guys working against each other. And then let's see what happens with Burford. If they're just going to roll with Burford and we're going to go Brunskill and Burford, that could be interesting right there. Uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But I, I do think that Daniel Brunskill has asserted himself as a guy that can definitely start and make plays for this 49ers offense. Um, uh, Brad Jones says, not sure if you saw Kyle's presser from yesterday, but do not put an interest in preseason games. Do not expect many stars to play. I have. I've watched all the pressers. Uh, the only thing I haven't watched was today's where they talked to Brian Snyder and some of the players. I was not able to, to actually watch that uh, just because of travel and everything. So I'll, I'll watch that tonight. But yeah, the things that Kyle has said is I don't expect very many players to play in preseason. They're going to get the most information out of practice and the joint practice sessions they have with the Minnesota Vikings. You're going to learn so much more in those the same way they did with the Chargers last year. You're going to learn more about your football team in those moments where it's controlled, uh, where you can put people in certain situations. Because whether you want to or not, when you get into a preseason game, you don't know for sure if you're going to get into a third and five situation or a two-minute drill situation. They don't always play out that way because you don't you know, decide how the game is going to work. In a controlled environment where you're going to be playing another team like a joint practice session, you can make sure all those things happen. Both teams can. Uh, so you can get exactly out of it what you want, which means it means more for your football team. I think a lot of decisions are going to come out of that because of you know Minnesota and the 49ers being able to work together. I think it's going to be beneficial for both teams. So And there's some good players. I'm curious what happens when Charvarius Ward uh, and, and Emmanuel Mosley lock horns with Justin Jefferson. Uh, it, it's going to be exciting. I think that's going to be cool. I'm, I'm really ready for that too. Uh, Lou says, what exactly is Gutierrez hanging on yearly? 
Um, with Gutierrez, what comes down to is he doesn't affect your 90-man roster. He's a part of the exchange program, so um, the 49ers can keep him around, see what's going to happen there. When it comes down to it, he's still six foot nine, 350 pounds. He's massive. He's huge. So you look and see what you can get out of him. Uh, ultimately, you don't expect him to make an impact on your football team, uh, but you need camp bodies anyway. So you need guys that can go in there and play, and he's a good guy, and they, they know that he's working hard. And he is better than last year. So whenever you see a player get better um, during the year, why not? Why not take just continue to look at him, give him some extra reps on your third team? Uh, it doesn't hurt anything to have him in there um, because more than likely anyone on your third team isn't going to make your roster uh, or maybe one or two will. We'll see. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, who's the most impressive rookie in your opinion? I think it's Drake Jackson right now. Uh, the physical ability is there. The, the high-end ability to do big things in the 49ers defense is there. I mean, I can realistically say I can see Drake Jackson starting opposite of Nick Bosa one day. But with that being said, Danny Gray was very impressive today. Danny Gray and, and TDP are going to make an impact on the 49ers in 2022. I think Drake Jackson will too. I just wonder how much of an impact because of how good the 49ers defensive line is. So I think it's going to be a better opportunity for Danny Gray, for TDP, and now Spencer Burford maybe to make an impact in 2022. But over the long term, I think guy's a limit for Drake Jackson. The guy's got tremendous ability. Um, so I, I think that we'll we'll see what happens with all that. And Lou says if Brendel gets beat by Brunskill, what happened? It, it just means Brunskill's you know a better player. Uh, they were pretty confident in Brunskill in 2020 that he could go in there and play center. I think at one point they even thought he could have been the long-term option. And then they went Alex Mack, which I don't think anyone disagrees with. Alex Mack is one of those guys that was almost a perennial all-pro. He he understood the offense inside and out. He understood what he was looking at. He was able to decipher defenses. So that was invaluable. And Brunskill talked about how much he learned from Mack. Maybe that helps give him advantage next year. Maybe he learned a lot from Mack because he said he does miss him a lot. Um, Marvin Rose says, what team are the 49ers going to run practice against? It's the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, they're going to be working with Minnesota. Who says, oh, happens to Brendel? We don't know. I mean, what happens if Brendel doesn't, doesn't become that guy? He could be the backup. They could decide to go with a younger player like Donovan West. Um, I don't know yet. We'll see. What's the improvement going to be of Donovan West? He has gotten better already. Donovan West is better today than he was last Wednesday. Let's see if that continues. Let's see if he can go up there and start pushing Jake Brendel because I don't think there's a huge difference right now between Brunskill and Brendel. Um, so I don't know if Donovan West can actually get in. Um, with some teams, not EL. Um, I don't know exactly what you're saying, Jag, if you could clear that up. Oh, there it is. A TCC with some teams not playing starters in preseason, how many snaps for Trey? I think it's going to be real limited. I think they're going to treat him like he's a, you know the starting quarterback and every team does. Uh, he's just going to play a few snaps. I wouldn't even be surprised if he doesn't play some. Oh, yeah. Uh, CJ says, really excited to see our DBs against Jefferson. That's going to be a blast. Um, hopefully, a lot of people are there and can give us some idea of what's going on. I might have to reach out to uh, one bar in Lou Pegas uh, from uh, guys we worked with before from the Minnesota Vikings because we definitely need to get some inside information on this. Maybe some guys will get down there. Uh, and and learn because I am not going to be able to go to Minnesota as much as I would love to go there and watch those joint practices. I'm not going to be able to do that. Forty are minded. What's up, Bashar? What up, Ant? We appreciate the camp coverage. Thanks so much, Bashar. Uh, uh, thanks for coming through and saying hi. I hope you're having a, a great day. Uh, Grish says, "How's it going, Ant? It's going good. 
I mean, I've been able to make it out to training camp every single day they've had it open. It's been exciting. So uh, I've been having a really good time breaking down football, getting to watch these guys practice, and learning a lot because uh, I go down there with a little bit of a different mindset than some. I'm not writing down stats. I'm not writing down, you know, who scored all these touchdowns. What I'm looking at is their reps. You know, what are they doing? How are they improving? Who's making plays? Um, I'm just looking at those things. So uh, I'm definitely excited about the team because I think they're advancing. I've seen players that came in on Wednesday, um, and now we're almost a week a week later, and they've made drastic improvements. That's good. And I know coaches love that. They love seeing improvement and stacking good reps on good reps. You know, you might have had one good rep on Wednesday last week. If now you're having five good reps, you've showed a steady increase that's a good sign for you and your development in training camp. And that's what it's about. It's a development time for your football team. You want everyone to get better, and this is a great time to do it. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're looking for. Uh, let's see. Let's see what we got in chat right now. Bobo says, my opinion, Cap is the reason why the NFL refs screw us in big games. He made the NFL look bad. Uh, I think the refs just have their moments. I, they really do. Rich says, offensive line, big concern. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it is a concern. Um, I, I think it's a concern until these guys prove that they can gel, play together, and be able to consistently make plays. I think the gelling part I want to see come first. I know everyone would talk about the pass protection, but I actually want to see it in the run game. Because once these guys start gelling together, and when you're playing these zone blocking schemes, you have to you know work together and you have to move together. So them being able to get their chemistry down to be able to you know work off a double team, press to the second level, and make a block on a linebacker is so important. If the 49ers can get the run game going, then they'll be able to develop the pass game. There were times today where the 49ers ran great play actions and booted out, and there was no defensive player in sight. The quarterback had a clear opportunity to throw. The only problem was no receiver got open because the 49ers secondary is so good, they clamped everyone down. But in a game situation, it could be that a safety had to commit to the box. If that happens, those plays might end up being a big-time play. So get the chemistry going with the run game first. That's the emphasis. Once that happens, then you work on the passing game because moving the pocket, running bootlegs, and play action will take the pressure off of these young guys and Mike McGlinchey and guys who maybe aren't as good as in traditional pass sets. So I think that that's what they're working on right now. And if that happens, a lot of those worries about the offensive line will alleviate. Um, so we'll see. Uh, have eyeballed cones. Uh, I have. I have seen Grant Cone. Uh, he, he's out there. He's, he's watching on the sideline, uh, him and Jack Hammer and, you know, all of them. I mean, they're, they're taking their notes. They're working hard. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of what they've been saying content-wise. But, you know, I, I'm sure they're they're doing their job and, and making their takes. So, yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, 10 feet from him. So, yeah, it, he's out there. He's doing his thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bobo says, anyways, we know the Browns won't deal for Jimmy G. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to the Cleveland Browns. So the New York Giants, the Atlanta Falcons seem to be the most obvious trade partners. Seattle Seahawks being a kind of dark horse. Um, and then Fort Air's minded. Bashar says it's always good to hear from a different perspective. It is. I mean, anytime you can hear different perspectives, it's nice. So I don't know. You know, most people probably got a lot of their content out earlier. You guys can go listen to that, see what they say, and then listen to, you know, what I have to say about it. I guarantee there are going to be things we all agree on. Um, and then there's going to be some things that I just see from a different angle. 
for the mere fact I'm not approaching it from a result standpoint. I'm, I'm doing it the same way I would if I coached. Uh, when we would run plays, I wasn't as as dead set on, oh, this play ended up being a touchdown. No, no, no. Because if somebody missed a block and the running back had to make him miss, I need to make sure that the guy who missed the block doesn't miss the block next time because that running back's not always going to be able to make that guy miss. So working, you know, making sure everything works together is the most important thing. You know, timing, uh, making sure everyone knows where to line up, where everyone needs to be on every play. All the while, you have a young quarterback that's going through his reads and he needs to have consistency on where guys are going to be at certain times, how drops are going to look, how certain motions are going to influence defenses, all that playing into it. You just need these reps. That's why it's fun. So you're as long as you're seeing a steady improvement, you should be happy with the 49ers. And I've seen a steady improvement in almost every single position across the board from last Wednesday till now. Tomorrow will be a full week. Uh, so there'll be a it'll it'll be fun to see how much farther they've got. But at least now we're in pads. That that's really fun. Uh, Marvin Rose says, "Why should anyone deal with the Niners or deal with the Niners for Jimmy? Just wait until they cut him, because there's no guarantee you'll get him. Now the 49ers have to make sure they convince whoever it is, whether that's Seattle, New York, Atlanta, that there is somebody else that would love to get the services of Jimmy Garoppolo. If you convince the New York Giants, for instance, maybe they're up against it in the cap, that the Atlanta Falcons." would love to sign Jimmy Garoppolo and they can afford to pay him. The Giants might be willing to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo knowing they can't give as much money. Uh, so a lot of times when it comes to this, you have to present a option that makes sense to try to get somebody to want to trade with you. That's what they'll try to do. Um, the fact that John Lynch consistently says they'll be patient. He's trying to put a little bit of fear into people that, hey, uh, you miss your opportunity. You wait too long, you might not get him. Jag says, what is your breakdown on, on McGlinchey as far as movement, strength, etc.? I haven't seen any problems as far as strength. I have seen a little bit of slowness at times when he's in his kick slide, but it's something he hasn't been good at for years. He's been, has his ups and down moments. When he goes against really, really quick uh, edge rushers, it can be a problem. If he gets his hands on them, a lot of times he can anchor and stop them. I haven't seen the anchoring problems when these defensive linemen try to get into his chest and push him and drive him back. But I have seen a little bit of the problem if they're able to bend the corner. That's something he's working on. And I think the more he gets healthy, the better he'll get at it. But it's never going to be a tremendous strength of Mike McGlinchey going against speed rush guys. Uh, that's why we need situations where these guys can, you know, I got to play defense real quick, guys. Um, you know, where we can get situations where these guys can definitely uh, get out there and do some things, you know. Uh, so let me go ahead and... Uh, Remove these real quick. There we go. Sorry, everyone. Had to, had to take care of the, the spammers. They're coming at us. So uh, going after them real quick. Uh, and, and now we're back. So I think that McGlinchey is going to continue to get better as he gets more comfortable in what's going on with the, the 49ers and just him getting healthy. I mean, his, his injury was terrible. There are players that don't come back from that. I think he's going to continue to get better. Uh, Ronnie Montoya says, any word uh, on Jimmy was throwing our, how did that look tradable? Uh, Jimmy, I don't, I don't know exactly what the medical looks like, but all these teams are going to get the medical from it. Um, they're going to have an understanding where he was. Apparently there was a team that really wanted to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo before. So if that team is still out there, um, they may be willing to do it. And all the while, these guys are looking at their own, their own team. 
Uh, and Daniel Jones hasn't looked good in New York. I don't know how Marcus Mariota has looked, uh, but are they ready to go to Ritter? I don't know. Um, but we know that Seattle quarterback situation has been dreadful. Uh, their combined completion percentage the other day, I think they went like 2 of 10. Um, and I saw some of the passes, and there was guys standing still that they were missing. Well, I think they would like an upgrade to the quarterback position. Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely an upgrade. But I think Seattle wants to wait the 49ers out. So they're going to have to convince somebody else. Kelly says, what defensive tackle combinations were out there today? Um, there was a multitude of them, so I'm not going to be able to like tell you all of them. Um, but I know that they, you know, they had Kinlaw out there with Givens. Uh, they had uh, Kendiche out there with Givens. They were kind of just rotating these guys through. They've also, uh, I mean, they've put a lot of guys. They're moving guys. Oh, Drake Jackson even had some reps, uh, one-on-ones on the inside. So to say that there's, you know, combinations uh, would be an understatement. There's like a multitude of them. Uh, they're pretty much playing all those guys, rotating them through. I mean, Alex Barrett has been consistently playing D-tackle. So uh, you're definitely going to see these guys rotating all the way through right now as they're trying to determine which guys are going to make the team and which guys can produce because, you know, they have injuries. Eric Armstead's not there. You know, Javon Kinlaw's getting limited reps. Um, Hassan Ridgeway is not there. And, of course, you lost Maurice Hurts. So they just have to see what they got. Um, but right now, guys like Ken DJ are looking pretty good. Brad Jones says, does Kyle seem not as hard on Trey and Pressers than he was on Jimmy? Seems a lot more encouraging and more willing to let Trey rip it and not upset if the result is an interception. The one thing about Kyle Shanahan is he's always been consistent about his quarterbacks being able to rip it and throw uh, interceptions. I think he was harder on Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo was a veteran in this league who had you know done it for a while where Trey's into his second year. But he wants these guys to take chances. Last year, he told Jimmy, let it rip, throw it high and outside, take chances. He wants these quarterbacks to do those things so they can learn what their limitations are. If they know what their limitations are, then they know what they can't do when they get into a real game. Don't throw this pass. That's going to end up in an interception. I can't make that throw. So sometimes right now, yeah, they're taking more chances and more liberties than they normally would in a game. But you don't want these guys just taking every single check down in practice. Number one, that's not good for your offense. Number two, that's not good for the defense that you're going against because they need to go ahead and make those plays. Uh, so it's one of those things where, yeah, they're going to take those chances now, but it's going to end up working out in the season because Trey Lance is learning what his limitations are. And he's also learning, hey, if I make these mistakes, they're going to result in bad plays. So we'll see. Uh, he Wilkins says, the Browns' interest in Jimmy could change if the NFL appeals the Watson decision and Goodell extends the suspension in 10 more games. Yeah, I mean, it could always change. I have no idea what's going to happen with that situation. That that situation has been all over the place. Um, so I don't know if Cleveland is, is viable or not. If they become viable, I would love to see them trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, I want Jimmy to land in the best situation for Jimmy. And I want it to end up being the best situation for the 49ers. Into the AFC would be the best. But whatever the best draft capital would be is, is what we really want because we want the 49ers to actually benefit from moving on from one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. Uh, whether you like Jimmy or not, most people believe he's a starting caliber quarterback in this league, and you should get some compensation for him. Brad Jones says, that was a quick D right there, Ant. That's when you know you've made it when you're starting to get spammed, LOL. Yeah, I, we get spammed here and there. They hit us pretty hard, uh, and you know we're getting better and better about going after them. I uh, was just trying to block them, but yeah, they come out of nowhere, Brad. They're 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 good at it. 49ers Faithful Forever says, long term, who would you pick to sign? Greenlaw or Aziz? This is a great question. And this has been a conversation that you know, we've had for a while. As I go back on defense, Brad, uh, they they are not 
uh, going to back down from us at all. They're they're coming back with a vengeance. Uh, but I'm I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. One second, guys. Sorry. Oh, wow. They're getting me. Come on, computer. Okay. Got it. There's multiple. But anyways, yeah. So as far as as far as what we got going on there, I'm gonna get back to this. Uh there we go. Okay, so back to your question. Um long term, who would you pick to sign Greenlaw or Aziz? I think both guys are really good. I mean, both guys are very talented. I've been watching them in practice, especially the guys. You know, that they've been practicing right in front of us. I watched them a lot today, in fact, linebackers. I will say this. Dre Greenlaw does things consistently right almost every play. He's a really good tackler. So if you're looking for consistency, if you're looking for a guy that's going to tackle at the highest level, that is who it is. It is Dre Greenlaw. If you're looking for a guy that's going to make flash plays, that's going to fly around and stuff, uh, yes. It's going to be Aziz Alshire. I would pick Dre Greenlaw. I think Greenlaw is a better linebacker play in and play out than Aziz, but I love them both. If I had to choose, though, I'm going Greenlaw. I want consistency. I want the guy that's going to be there every single play and not miss the tackle. So uh, flashy plays are great, but I'm going with Greenlaw. But that's a tough one. I like both players a lot. And uh, Phil Robertson says, alignment and assignment is very important that the players know where to be and know what to do. It doesn't matter how great an athlete they are. They're in the wrong place. That's entirely true. Um, you have to know what you're supposed to do if you want to do it right. And that is one of the things that coaches consistently try to do. They try to put these guys in good situations, and these players have to learn what those situations are and then how that's going to benefit them. So uh, that is a very, very good point. Um, Jag says, TCC, how does Ebucom Hyder and Torre look? Who will start opposite of Bosa, or is it too early? Samson Ebucom is going to start opposite of Nick Bosa. He's getting the starting uh, defensive end treatment. He's able to go out there and get after the passer. He's out when you know when uh, Nick Bosa's out. It's definitely Samson Ebucom who's the starter. And then I actually think the guy that's next in is Charles Aminahue. They've been putting Aminahue in on left side, on right side. He is that guy. So it actually goes Ebucom, then Aminahue. And then after that, it's Hyder. Uh, Teray has been getting moved around today. He was working with Drake Jackson on kind of the 2.5 group. That's what I've been calling it. It could have been the three, um, but I think all these guys are really good. Teray has moments where he's just getting in the backfield. It's going to be, Teray is going to make some plays this year as a situational pass rusher. They've got so much talent on the outside. Jordan Willis was making plays today as well. There are so many guys. How are the 49ers going to figure out which guys to keep? With the injuries on the interior, I wonder if they do turn and just say, you know what, Kerry, we need you to play some downs at D-tackle. Look at Jordan Willis. You know what, Jordan, we need you to play some, some uh, snaps on the interior at defensive line because you need to keep these edge rushers. You don't want to lose them because they're going to be beneficial to your team down the road. Um uh, Classic says, I think Ebucom, so Phil, uh, Phil saying that as well. Uh, 49ers Fizzle says, contract year for Ebucom. He's going to ball out. He's got a number in his head. He said he wouldn't tell everyone what the number is in his head for sacks, but I think it's double digits. I think that's what Ebucom is shooting for. 
I think he, he the improvement from if you go back and watch him in the preseason last year, which I did, um, and watch his hand skills and hand placement when he's rushing the passer, he looks like a linebacker who's blitzing. When you get into the last you know, set of games and then into the playoffs, his hand placement and the way he rushes the passer looks like a defensive end that plays for Chris Kacarek. I think that development happened during the year. I think that development has continued during the offseason. I think he's going to be very hard to stop this year because if you don't move a lot of guys, if you're not double-teaming and triple-teaming Nick Bosa, if you're not sending two guys uh, Eric Armstead's way, those guys are going to win. So if you send those guys, though, that means Ebucom and whoever's lined up next to him. And you can pick your poison. Is Charles Amenehu lined up next to him? Is it Kamoko Ture on the outside with Ebucom on the inside? Is it rookie Drake Jackson? There's so many options for these guys out there. It's going to be nasty. And all the while, you get him in a certain spot, and you don't know if he's going to stunt. They're going to put major pressure on these offensive lines around the league to be able to stop them. This is a defensive line because of depth that just doesn't stop. It's going to be absolutely impressive. So, uh, yeah, Jag, there's a lot of really, really good players, and they all look good. They're, they're just, they're, there's not a bad player along that defensive line right now. I had question marks about Adkins early on. He's developed. He's gotten better. Um, so when they bring guys in, they're just creating havoc. They know a certain type, a certain build. They're bringing those guys in, and because of Chris Kacarek's ability to develop certain guys and play in a certain scheme, they do a lot of cool things. Uh, for his faithful forever, since he even talked about Jackson putting pressure on him to get better. He knows Jackson's his replacement. Yeah, definitely, and he is. Uh, Drake Jackson's a cheaper version of Samson Ebicom, except he's bigger. He, he potentially is could end up being faster. We know he has more natural bend than Samson Ebicom. So that makes you step up your game. You know what Ebicom could do? Go out there and have a 10-12 sack season and put everyone on notice and somebody gives him a huge contract and then it doesn't matter. So uh, I think that that's a good point for you know, forever. Ronnie Montoya says, how's Poe doing? Poe's doing good. Poe improves every single day. He's, he's getting second team reps now at guard. And it's been something consistent. He's gotten left uh, left guard snaps. He's gotten right guard snaps. They have been working him at the guard position. I think he's going to continue to get better. And I think he's going to be a player that, you know, the 49ers are probably going to end up putting on their practice squad. I don't think he can sneak onto the, the active roster. If he did, that would be impressive. Um, but he's putting together a good camp. And, I mean, that's all about getting better. You can tell the size difference between Jason Poe and everybody else. I mean, he he just he's not as tall. He's not as long. Uh, but he, he's definitely out there working and working hard. And the thing is, he always gets able to play with leverage because he's the low man. So that's always good. Silverado Key says, what I'm most excited about is we can now play 11 on 11 versus 10 versus 11 and trades an extension of the run game. Defenses will more, will more have to play every level. The whole field offense unlocked. Exactly. I mean, his athletic ability is going to give you some opportunities. Number one, you have the fear of him running. So if you, if you fear he's running, that means you have to keep an edge rusher uh, there to be able to collapse down or play him on a read option. Also could be a, you have that edge rusher go down the line of scrimmage. That means you're going to have to play a linebacker or safety on him. And that takes somebody potentially out of the passing game. And that whole while the 49ers are running a RPO and that linebacker is committed to stopping Trey, Lance's, Trey Lance and commits to Trey Lance too early. You get situations like you got today. Now, it was Brock Purdy that was actually running the RPO. But on the play, the defensive end committed to him. He threw, he pulled the ball. He threw the ball. 
to Danny Gray, who ran a slant pass and took it about 30 yards upfield just only to be stopped by one guy. So those opportunities are going to be there. So, yeah, I love Trey Lance uh, being able to operate this offense. And I think Kyle Shanahan is going to take advantage of the fear of the run. Not so much the run, even though Trey will do it at times. He'll scramble. He'll extend plays. But the fear of the run is what's going to be important for the 49ers in the run game. And then also the fear of getting the ball down the field. You want to load the box against us? That's cool. We've got Danny Gray. We've got Brandon Ayuk. And all the while, we've got two all pros, one a tight end and one a receiver, and Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle that can make plays anywhere along the field. So it's it's dangerous, and this offense can be dangerous. Jag says TCC of the D-tackles, who looks like this year's Arden Key. It's Charles Amenehue. It's definitely Charles Amenehue. So is going to be that Arden Key role early. They've done some things with Kerry Hyder. Now we've seen Drake Jackson starting to move inside as well, uh, mainly during one-on-ones, but that is something I could see him doing. Uh, you know, When we get halfway through the season, there's going to be opportunities for all these guys to move around. Hugh Wilkins says long-term is Poe a guard or is he a center? I think he's a guard. I think they want to use his athletic ability to be able to pull in the gap scheme, to be able to kick guys out, and they want him to feel comfortable. Now, it is more important and easier to learn guard, so they could always transition him to center right now. But out of the young guys, Donovan West has been the guy that's consistently got the snaps. Uh, so it, I think Mikel, uh and also Poe are going to be guards this year. We'll see if either one of them make the roster. So far, they've been moving between the second and the third team. Uh, both have moments where they look good. Both have moments where you know they struggle a little bit. But you know they're rookies going against a very good defensive line. No easy feat. Uh, Forty nine people forever says, "Ant, who's your dark horses on the team to have a great season?" Um, I don't know if there's really like a dark horse because I think there's some obvious guys. Um, but I, I think right now one guy that I've been really watching is Darquez Denard. I think he's poised to have a really good, really good season as long as he stays healthy. I think he can command this nickel position. And I mean, he he's looked really good out there. He looks confident. His footwork is fantastic. His technique is good. Um, so I like Darquez Denard. I think that anyone on this defense could have one of those big years. And I don't know if there's really a dark horse because they're all so good. He's probably the one that's probably the most of a dark horse. That's why I chose him. Can't choose Hufanga. You know, I mean, who are you going to choose? There's so many dominant players on defense. And then on offense, there's a, a lot of players as well. Um, I think if we're going to talk about a dark horse who can make some plays on the offense, I'm going to go ahead and go with Ray Ray McLeod. I'm going to stick with that. I think there's going to be a niche role for him that Kyle Shanahan's going to use. We had a $2 super chat from Bobo. Trey's an excellent situation, so much weapons. Perfect for the players they've been putting around him. They've been building an offense around Trey Lance uh, that is fantastic, so I'm excited about it. And we finally got a quarterback situation together, have the best linebacker trio, best pass rush, or the pass rush is nuts. D'Amico going to be in his bag, top five, um, top, to top three, D most definitely. We just got to stay healthy. That's the key, Silverado key. Uh, you got to stay healthy. And I think you laid it out pretty well. I don't really have to add a whole lot to that uh, because you said it so good. As long as they stay healthy, they can be one of the top three defenses in the league, which means that it's going to give Trey Lance and all these weapons more opportunities to make plays. And there's a lot of exciting young players that Kyle Shanahan's going to get to use. This 49ers offensive line just got to gel, first in the run game and then in the pass game, and then they're going to be dangerous. Um, oh, and then it's, it's Silverado Key, bro. Got it. It's Silverado Key. Love it. Um, let's see. Jag says, it seems that the Niners might have learned from last year how important it is to have quality of line depth, especially with long 17-game seasons. It is, and the NFL knows this as well. That's why the NFL allows you to bring up a extra offensive lineman from your practice squad. Um, so that this is something the NFL is continuing to do. So you can actually have nine offensive linemen dressed for games. Uh, the the importance of offensive line, especially right now, is important. 
You don't want to have situations where you get absolutely devastated. And we've seen teams get devastated by injury along the offensive line. The NFL doesn't want that because they want to protect their money makers, which are their quarterbacks. And teams don't want that. They want to be able to have great depth because O-line depth is something they have to do. Uh, Biggest Slice says, sorry I'm late. How's it going, crew fam? It is going great. I think everyone's been having a good one. Oh, Kev. Sorry about that. I don't know why I'm reading key. My apologies, Sil Silverado Kev. Sorry. Um, I was giving you the key. You had you had the key comment earlier, so I was giving you a key. So sorry, Silverado Kev. Thanks for pointing that out to me. My apologies. I'll make sure to, to stick on that. Yeah, thank you, Jay Ellie. Um, from I'm looking at it at an angle on my screen, so the, the V looks like a Y. So apologies on that, but thanks for spelling it out for me, Silverado Kev. I really appreciate that. And I'll try to remember that in my memory banks and make sure I don't mess up again. But if I do, apologies already, but I'm going to try to get it right next time. Uh, Jansen's heading back tomorrow, guys, and it's Tuesday nights and Wednesday mornings off. Ooh, nice. Lou says, what happened to Denard in New York? Why was he let go and available as a first-rounder? I don't know exactly what happened in New York. I really don't. What I do know is that he wasn't playing in, in the nickel role. So maybe the 49ers have found his niche, you know, him playing inside. Maybe he had a weakness on the outside, but he's been highly touted. So I'm I'm excited about it. I'm excited about him. Um, and I want to see what he does consistently. Let's see what he does when he gets against Minnesota and he has to line up against you know, an opposing team and how these guys clamp down. I'm excited for it. And thanks, Silverado Kev, so much. I'm here to support either way. I'm with the Real Talk 49ers Talk. Oh, that's right. Real Talk 49ers Talk. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff, Silverado Kev. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff going on. If you haven't checked out Real Talk, I'll shout it out. If you haven't checked out Real Talk 49ers Talk, check it out. Uh, Silverado and them do a really good job over there. So really appreciate that. Um, yeah, good stuff. Uh, really good stuff. And I'm not going to hang on too long. I've been going for over an hour now, but I've been having such a good time chatting with all of you guys about camp. It's been fantastic. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump off here in a second, uh, because I'm tired guys. I've been doing a lot today and I've had a really good time. So, um, all of you guys, uh, thanks for doing chat. Chat was fantastic. You guys really let it happen. Uh, it, it was good. I'm excited about it. I'll get back to you guys again tomorrow. And you know what? I have to talk about this. Um, we had a couple good ones. Shylock says any good coach would keep two good quarterbacks. Bill Walsh brought over Steve Young, knowing Joe Montana was the man. And what did the 49ers get? The best out of both of them. Kyle Shannon has a long ways to go. That could be an interesting comment. Let's see what they do with Jimmy Garoppolo. But I wanted to get that one out there. And then 49ers Faithful Forever says Croft climbing the depth chart. Yes. Uh, Croft today when George Kittle was taking a break. He took the first team reps. He appears to be climbing into tight end two just ahead of Ross Dwelly. So Tyler Croft is moving his way up, potentially going to be able to make this roster. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. And Siggy says, uh, great job, by the way, and best coverage of camps ever. Been a fan before as a kid from Notre Dame was drafted. Uh, so thanks so much, Siggy. I really appreciate that. I'm having a, a really good time doing all this and having a conversation with all of you. There's a lot of really good, cool stuff uh, that is happening out there in 49ers land. So, uh, and well done, uh, Jay Ellie with the eye merch. I love that. Uh, Jack says, when do you foresee NFL will expand the rosters and give them two days off uh, or two off days when they get to 18 games, Jag? When the, when the NFL Players Association agrees to 18 games, there will officially be enough money to expand the rosters because the NFLPA has a big part in the fact that they do not want roster sizes to continue to expand. As they expand, their players lose less or lose money. 
uh, because there's only so much of the, the pie to go around. So when that happens, it will happen. And, and yeah, thanks everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for coming through and, and saying uh, great things. And uh, like Jan said, as always, you're not wrong, my guy. So I hope everyone has a good one. I'm up against it. This was a great conversation. I will see you all tomorrow for a great chat. It's going to be a fun one. Stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49.